Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Hope is an anchor for my soul. Our God will stand unshakable. I have this hope as an anchor for my soul through every storm. You will not let go with endless love. All my fear is swept away in everything. I will not let go. Hope in the promise of the cross. You gave everything, save the world you love. And this hope is an anchor for my soul. Our God will stand unshakable. There is hope in the promise of the cross. You gave everything to save the world you love. And this hope is an anchor for my soul. Our God will stand unshakable. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong. The Savior's love to the storm, He's Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong, and the Savior's love to the storm. He is Lord, Lord of us. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of us. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong, the Savior's love through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. My hope is filled. Oh, nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but only trust in Jesus' name. My hope is Jesus' love 
and righteousness. I then I'll trust that sweetest friend, but only trust in Jesus' name. One more time. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I then I'll trust the sweetest friend by only trusting Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He Lord of all, Christ cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the
there's a song that it just picks up on this one I'll just sing it and you catch it consuming fire consuming fire burning away burning away consuming fire consuming fire burning away burning away consuming fire consuming fire burning away burning away Consuming fire, consuming fire, burn away, burn away. Consuming fire, consuming fire, burn away.
Jesus asks more of you. More of you. More of you. More of you. Jesus, more of you. More of you. More of you. More of you. Jesus, more of you. We are in your presence. Let it rain. Fall your rain. Let it fall on me. We are in your presence. Let it rain. Fall your rain. Let it fall on me. We are in your presence. Let it rain. Fall your rain. Let it fall on me. We are in your presence. Let it rain. Fall your rain. Let it fall on me. Open the floodgates in abundance and cause your rain to fall on me. Open the floodgates in abundance and cause your rain to fall on me. Open the floodgates in abundance and cause your rain to fall on me. Open the floodgates in abundance and cause your rain to fall on me. Baba, Baba. In abundance 
and cause your rain to fall on me. Open the floodgates in abundance and cause your rain to fall on me. Open, open the floodgates in abundance and cause your rain to fall on me, open the floodgates in abundance, and cause your rain to fall on me. Father, we thank you, Lord. You can sing it. for this evening for this opportunity that we have one more time Lord as we come boldly into your presence as we come boldly Father may we receive grace may we receive mercy O Lord and above all may we have a clear conscience and a receptive mind so that we can continue to soak in the word the ever-changing word, ever-true, changing me, changing all of us into the men and women that you so desire for us to be, Lord. We thank you for this evening. We commit every aspect of the service into your hands, Father. Move amongst us mightily, O oh Lord. Renew our minds. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, amen, somebody. Amen. Let's welcome our Father, Reverend Gilbert Asamwa. Amen. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father Lord, thank you so much for the power of the new covenant that is able to override the legacy of the old covenant and the fall that happened to the first Adam. Thank you that Jesus is alive and we look to him who is the author and finisher of our feet. Thank you that by him we transcend into the heavens and appropriate all the things that are written there for us because our citizenship is in heaven. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Wonderful. We thank the Lord. How to neutralize cases through the powers of the age to come. We spent a lot of time dissecting the origin of curses and how it all began in the Garden of Eden with the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Then we talked about how the judgment was pronounced and the way the judgment came down gives you the understanding that curses have a way of spreading. One person has a curse and it attaches itself to another. Hallelujah. So the curse um, that came on the serpent originated from the devil. And then, after that, when the judgment came on man, the scripture said the Lord said that 
the earth or the ground is cursed because of you. Well, if the ground is cursed because of you, God didn't curse Adam and Eve, but the ground was cursed because of them. And if you are not an angel who live in the spirit realm, if you are living on earth, if the, the earth is cursed, you it will affect you. Hallelujah. When Elijah prophesied that there's going to be famine for three and a half years, guess what? It affected him too. He, the prophet who prophesied it, he, 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 he got to reap it also. But of course, he was just obeying God. Is that not so? In fact, the um, brook, the brook that was, uh, he was drinking from dried up. And, and, and God had to send, God had to send uh, birds to come and feed him. And then, and then um, up to a point that God, the feeding by birds ceased, and God asked him to go and see a widow. And now, from now on, a widow will feed you. Amen. And so, the environment where you live, whatever happens there, affects you. And so, if you live at a place where there's a curse, the curse would, would, um, is very pervasive. It's, it's, like, it's like in the air. It's in the system. And, and you can't avoid it. Hallelujah. That is why the world seems to be going the way it is. Sometimes something starts very beautiful. And, and, and there seems to be a promise. Um, but in fact, um, I don't want to, um, I don't want to uh, say certain things, you know, because we, we always also hope for the best and always, always wish for the best. But certain governments, when they came to power, the, 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 the assurance and the hope that people had Hallelujah. And so, and so, the need for the gospel is very paramount. Because the Bible says that we are the salt of the, of the world, uh, of the earth, exactly. And, and, and if, if you take out the gospel, all the promise that the world has is a hollow promise. It's, it's, it, it, all the, all the, um, you know, sometimes I, I, I hear of certain men of God going around and um, redeeming people who, are, who have been sold to sex slavery. And, and this is going on in some of the most developed parts of the world. You know, where you, you, you see we can easily be fooled by the high skyscrapers and the nightlife and the lights which seems to describe development. But all of that is only a camouflage. The reality is that man is very depraved. And that depravity is coming directly from the curse of the earth and from the, from, from the, from the seed of sin that was sown. Hallelujah. Amen. But the good news is that it doesn't have to end there. Amen. Amen. And so in the second part of the book, How to Neutralize Curse, Bishop begins to develop how in the end, in the end, you know, when the new world comes, when the age to come comes, when the new heavens and the new earth comes, you know, and all the bad things we are seeing are going to cease. Hallelujah. And so let's look at that scripture. Because when you read the Bible, it is like watching, it is like watching a soccer game that you already know the results. Amen. Because as bad as it gets, I mean, if you read, if you read the famine that happened in the days of Elisha, where things were so bad that people were eating their children, I mean, it can't get worse than that. Hallelujah. But as you read it, you know that very soon they are going to be redeemed. And so all these are pictures in the Bible to also encourage us that maybe you are, you are in some famine, but your famine is not as terrible as people are not eating their children. Amen. And so if God was able to repair and restore and redeem and provide in that situation, you look at that and it, bre it brings hope in your heart that in your case also, God is going to arise and shine in your life. Hallelujah. And so in Revelation chapter 21, let's go to the book of Revelation chapter 21, which is the last book in the Bible. It said, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Hallelujah. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, 
prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. See, last week I was telling you how it, the whole story of the Bible is the story of two, two cities and two women. Do you get it? And by the time you get to you get to Revelation 21, 22, you see that the city of God is also the bride of Christ. Because it said that I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven, okay, from God, prepared as what? A bride. The city is also a bride for her husband. Keep going. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. The word tabernacle means where somebody lives. You see, the tabernacle of God is, is the place where God lives. God's, God's house is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, pause here for a moment. I need you to understand. Because what we are looking at is the culmination of all things. It is like, it's like, it's like the summit, the apex of the story of the of, of, of God and his dealings with man. Hallelujah. And so what so so what happened? Remember, what happened in Genesis 3 was not just something that happened to Adam, but it happened to who? Mankind. And it happened to which area? Jerusalem or, or Moab? The whole world is, is the curse is the earth. So 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 one of the things I want to understand is that there is a there is a geographical or jurisdictional aspect to curses and so if you are going to reverse the curse if you are going to if you are going to um if you are going to now put a stop to the curse now you need to also make it broad in such a way that it becomes pervasive hallelujah so the opposite of a curse is what we are reading about here that now from genesis 3 something has happened throughout history the 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 outworking of the curse has seen itself in miscarriages People having miscarriages. It's part of the curse. Wars. People dying before their age. Freak accidents. All kinds of crazy things. These are all part of the curse. So now, what it says in verse 1 that, behold, now let's go back to verse 1 because, because you need to see the broad picture before you come to the specifics. Hallelujah. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So, so now, it gives you a picture that now what used to be is no more. Okay, it's not just it's not just the 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 the, the newness, the, the the correction, the 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 reversal of the curse. It's not just happening in one place, the whole heavens and the whole earth. So so this is the culmination of the completion of the work of God in the earth. That when the final uh, in the final analysis, uh, a new heaven and a new earth. To replace, it says that then, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Sea often uh, has many symbol, symbolic meanings, but in this sense, when I said there was no more sea, you see how the raging seas, the, the, the thing that the sea can bring, I mean, tsunamis and what do they call it? Hurricanes, tsunamis, and all these things. And, and so, so when I said there's no more sea, the word sea has a negative sense. So the no more sea means it's a good thing. Hallelujah. Don't be angry that it's no more sea means that the fish you like is no more going to be available. No. In this case, sea here is a bad thing. So one is a no more sea is a good thing for us. Hallelujah. Amen. Keep going to verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city. So first that new heaven and a new earth. And then, and then the next good thing. So everything that is being said here so far is good news. Newness. Because sometimes when they say something is new, it doesn't always mean it's a good thing. Do you know sometimes I see commercials or, or you are passing in front of a, 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 a store that you used to buy stuff from and then they've put a sign under new management. I always protest that under new management, it is supposed to mean it is a good thing. It is supposed to mean that something is better about the place. But new management doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. Because one is a new manager, the new managers could be worse than the old, old, old people. But here, the author of who, who is speaking here is God is saying that, behold, I make all things new. Keep in mind that before we get to uh, uh, Revelation 21, 
the whole outworking of the final combination of all things, the sin in man. is in Genesis 3, sin entered man. So there's something called the sin of man. By the time you go to the book of Revelation, it's not just the sin of man we are talking about. We are talking about the man of sin. Because the sin in man has to mature in which that there will be a person who would appear, who will be the, who will be the epitome of sin. The antichrist, the antichrist. He will be, he will be the, the one, who, the sin has reached its level, highest level. And it must happen because the cup must be full for the full judgment to come. Hallelujah. And so by the time you get here, this is all after the antichrist situation has happened. Hallelujah. Because Jesus comes with the armies of heaven to deal with the Antichrist. So when you get here, when you say, I, I, I make a new, a new heaven and a new earth, that's the good news. And then not only that, he said, there's something called the new Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Okay? Right? And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God. So good news number three. Good news number one, uh, new heaven and new earth. Good news number two, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of God, the bride of God coming down of heaven. The good news number three is that the tabernacle of God or the dwelling place of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Why is that going to make a difference? Because we cannot, we will not be bullied no more by the devil. Hallelujah. The reason why the devil has a field day, do you know what happens when a miracle happens? You see, when a miracle happens, you see, sometimes, do you know sometimes sicknesses are actually caused by demons? So, so what happens is that God temporarily pushes back darkness and the power of the devil and that's what he needs to do for that person or that occasion or that moment and then that miracle happens and then he, he, he releases it. Because there's a time for the final judgment. But those temporary interventions of God and pushing back the devil's power to do something, that's what we call a miracle or something supernatural. Hallelujah. A man of God, I think his name is, uh, was uh, Roland Buck. He, um, before he died, he, the, the heavenly realm was open to men. And God gave him the grace to see a lot of... Uh, um, angels he, he, he actually his book if i remember correctly is free on the internet angels on assignment and i read i read of how um one day you know he, he had a, a visitation he, he was asleep and then an angel he felt like there were people in the house when he came out and there was angel michael and angel michael was with two other angels and he told them he told him that we, are, we, are, we have been sent by the Holy Spirit to survey this neighborhood because there's a lot of evil. We've been sent to come and push back the powers of the demonic and so that, so that they will not have the full sway of what they want to do here. And he said, we, we don't need anything from you. We just want to say hi because we know you are a friend of God. And if we are messengers of God, we are in the neighborhood. It's just courtesy. We, do, we need to say hi to you. And then they left. So you see, there's a lot of warfare going on all the time. And sometimes certain bad things that are supposed to happen don't happen because spiritually, God is blocking it. But what we are reading about here is that now, it is the ultimate solution whereby it is not going to happen ever again. Why? Because God himself is coming to live with man. Hallelujah. Alright. Next verse. Okay, so now a series of good things are going to come out of this situation. A new heaven and a new earth. The, the, the city of God coming down. God coming to dwell with man. Then verse number 4 begins to list. And God will wipe away every what? Tear from their eyes. So one of the effects of the curse of the earth is tears, sadness. What, see, I was watching the news before I came, and there's this man in California. You know, you know what's happening in California? The fires. This man, the man himself, he probably is over 60. And then he has his mother in the house. Do you get it? Elderly woman. And then there's a caretaker 
of the caretaker of, of the mother, like I think home, home care aid, who lives with them. And when this fire broke out, everybody's leaving. This mother, this mother is like in a structure. She can't leave. Do you get it? And he, the man, if he runs, what will happen to his mother? And so he and the caretaker decided that instead of running away like they've been warned, everybody must leave. He said, we will stand here and defend <laughs> our house. Amen. And so they fought hard with the water hose. He said, oh, the water, the water got finished. I don't know how the water got finished. So then they had, they had a, what do you call it, a, a dam. Oh, pool, pool. They have a, a pool. And then they used the water in the pool. And he said at some point, the fire was almost coming on them. So that they began to put the water, I mean, what I said, the, the man and the caretaker. They began to put the water on, them, on themselves so that they would be wet. So that the, water, the fire cannot burn them. The good news is that they survived. He lived to tell the tale. And now the problem they are having is that they don't have supplies. They don't have food. They don't have anything. I mean, what they have is almost finishing. And the, the city officials are saying that if they leave to go and try and get groceries from wherever, they will not be allowed to come back in. So they have to stay there. And as he was talking, he was crying. A man is like 60-something man. He, 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 I could see tears in his eyes. But I was happy for him that both he and the, the mother and the, the, the... This is the type of sadness that is in the world. Amen. And so, he says that I will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So that's number one. Number two, there shall be what? No more death. Death is the thing that the devil used to bully us. Everything you want to do, you are, you are afraid to, you, are, you will die, you won't do. Even if it's a good thing. Amen. No more death. And then sometimes it's not death. Is that sorrow, something that makes you sad. No more sorrow. No crying. There shall be no more pain. And the pain, the, 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 some of the pain is like, like, the thing about the pain is that it is no respecter of persons. Do you get it? The pain can descend on you. The other day I was talking to a lady. She said, I wanted to come to church, but um, my little child had a, a lot of pain, so I couldn't, I couldn't come. And so there's the pain of the little children have pain and the older people also have pain. I was talking to this man. He was telling me um, he's, he, he's well, he, he's not sick. But he said, you know, when you get to a certain age, certain pains become normal. <laughs> it's like one thing after another. But he said there shall be no more what? Pain. For the former things have passed away. Okay, we are going on the way to verse 7. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are true and faithful. Behold, I make all things new. When I was watching The Passion, the movie by um, Mel Gibson, there's a scene, one of the saddest scenes, in which Jesus had been beaten, he was carrying the cross, he had fallen down, there's so much blood. And, and, and he's so weak and, 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 and he's on the floor with the cross. And John the Apostle, you know, he was with the mother of Jesus. And, and, and they, they've been kind of watching it from the ranks, trying to find a means of going to Jesus. Do you get it? And I think, um, I think, I think the, you know, at some point, either the mother of Jesus or one of the ladies said, you know, what, how, how long would you allow this to be done to you? And, and, and that you won't save yourself. Do you get it? And so when, when they got the chance and came out, I think at some point the mother brought him something to drink. And in the midst of the pain, when she was asking for him to deliver himself, you know, he quoted, Mel Gibson put these words in the mouth of Jesus. Behold, I make all things new. So he told the mother, behold, I make all things new. So for me, it's like in that moment of pain, the thing that made him endure was that through this suffering, he's going to make all things new. Hallelujah. All right. Okay, next verse. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The Alpha and Omega means the beginning and the end. It means the, the starting and the finishing. It's not just the end, the finishing. It's, it's like the summit. It's like the highest point. The beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely 
to him who tests. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Hallelujah. All right. So now, all of us, everybody longs to be in, the, in this age. In an era or an age where there is what? No more what? Pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more crying. There's no more death. There's no more, oh, no more tears. Everybody longs to have this. And, 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 and having hope for the future is good. Is that not so? Because when you're going through, when you're going through something, you know that a future, there's a future state where things are going to be better. It allows you to enjoy it. Hallelujah. But you see, if you are, if you are, if you are in the pain and you have to cast your mind to too far into the future, and in many instances that it may, it, you may you, many of us may even die and, and, and it is like in the afterlife before we experience it. It seems so far. It's like when, when um, Martha and Mary, when Lazarus died, see, they, 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 we have been conditioned, we have been conditioned to place everything in the future. Hallelujah. That is how we have been, we have been conditioned to, to believe that one day things will be okay. And it's a good thing because without hope, without hope, like uh, um, the, 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 the guy, um, I forget the movie, but there's a, there's a guy who, who was, who was uh, harassed, his family was harassed, and he was maltreated. And then, and then when he got a chance, he broke and he came back. Somebody said, I thought you were dead. I, I thought, you, you, how did you get all the strength, the way they told you? He said, hate keeps a man alive. Hate keeps a man alive. But, but, but we Christians, we don't want to say hate keeps a man alive. Rather, we should say hope keeps a man alive. Hallelujah. Are you there? So, so what I'm saying is that when Jesus came to the house where Lazarus had died, and the two sisters, they ran to him, and, 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 and then Jesus said, do you believe that he's going to live again? And then, and then one of them said, yes, I believe. I believe that what? In the resurrection, he's going to rise again. You see, that was an expression of faith, but it was a faith in the future. And that is talking about this, this period where we won't die. Keep in mind that death came only because of sin. And one Adam and Eve were not supposed to die. Hallelujah. And so Martha and Mary said, yeah, I believe. But Jesus made a statement. He made a statement. He said that it's not just he's going to live in the future. Jesus said, I am the resurrection, and the life. Do you get it? I am, not I will be. I am the resurrection and the life. Then he said, whosoever believeth in me, even though he were dead, yet shall he live. I'm sure they didn't still understand. They were still thinking future. Until he said, go show me the tomb. And then, and then one of them said, look, Lord, he'll be stinking by now. Jesus said, I know, but go and show it to me. So as they were going, they were wondering, why, why, why? I mean, what? first of all, when he was sick, they told him he didn't come. So if you needed to see him, do you know that some people who choose not to see their dead relative or friend? Because they don't want their last memory of the person to be that. So it, it was mind-boggling to them that why is he going to see this person who's been there for four days and is now beginning to decompose? Jesus got there. Jesus called Lazarus. Lazarus come out. And he screamed because I'm sure Lazarus' spirit was had traveled far. <laughs> Amen. Are you there? And by so doing, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life, Martha and Mary didn't think that it was going to happen now. They, was think, they were thinking in the future resurrection, where most people are going to have their resurrection. But when Jesus appears on the scene, what, he, hear this, what happens is that what we are reading about now in these verses is a future powers of the age to come, there's an age to come where death shall be no more. But then if you can get Jesus, the person of Jesus, if you can get him on the scene in this current situation now, then the age to come which is supposed to happen in the future, he is called I am that I am. Not I was that I was. Not I will be that I will be. And in the eternal realm of God, everything is now. There is no past tense, there is no future tense. Hallelujah. And so the powers of the age to come, when they come into your realm, then 
you don't have to wait for the time of the end where there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Where Jesus appears, because the powers of the age to come, the one who will start power is Christ. When Christ shows up on the scene, then the thing that are supposed to happen in future can happen now. Just as he was able to raise Lazarus from the dead. Are you following what I'm saying? And so, and so what we are saying is that there is the curse and then, and then there is the final combination of all things where on a broad worldwide scale, okay, the pain, the sorrow, the death, and the crying, and everything is what? Going to cease because he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. But in between these two extremes, okay, God has given us faith. And God has given us our faith in Christ who is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. That if we can believe in him and we can participate in the powers of the age to come, God can choose that certain things that have to wait to the end time. You can have it now. And so let's look at this scripture. Hebrews chapter 6. What we are talking about is that the soup is being prepared. And it's going to be served to a group of guests at 8 p.m., 7 p.m. And you are with your mom in the kitchen. Do you get it? And before the food is served, you get to taste of what is going to be served in the future. And so our, 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 our association with Christ and, and the placement of our faith in him and the, and the powers of the age to come in future, when we grow ourselves into Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith, God can so choose that, look, we don't always have to wait because look at it. Okay, let's, uh, maybe we are going to jump to verse 4. In the first few verses, um, uh, Hebrews 6, the author was telling the people that, you know, we have to grow up. We don't have to always be going over the elementary principles. Hallelujah. And so he was trying to tell them that after you have walked with God and experienced God at a certain level, he said that if you backslide, God is not going to be happy with you. That's the essence of the passage. But when he was making that list of what it means to be what? A believer. What are the privileges and the benefits of a believer? He made a list of things. Look at it. He said, for, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, adverses, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. So, pause there. So, you see, sometimes somebody may be saying something, right? And the point they are making, as they are making their point, other things come out, which is like not the main point they are making, but you can extrapolate and gather that from it. Hallelujah. The main passage, the point, the person is saying that look, when you come to Christ, try and stay to, in Christ. If you don't stay in Christ, he said that if you have known God at a certain level, if you come out and you, he says that Christ is not going to be crucified again for you. Rather, he said that if you fall away, it is difficult to what to repent. Hallelujah! It's like the brother who Bishop Dad used to pray with, and then now when he visited the, visited the person. The person actually showed him pictures that he has taken with girls. One is sitting here, one is sitting here, one is doing this to him, one is doing that to him, uh, and one just did that to him. And then, and then, and then, and then he said, "Look, he, I'm showing you to, to show you how far I'm gone. So don't waste your time trying to preach me." Such a person has. He said, as he's beginning to talk to him, he's, the guy is quoting verses back to him because he's known these verses as an SU person. Amen. So now, so, so understand the context. But now, let's go back and read the description of the believer. This is, the, this is what a Christian has tasted or a Christian is. And so it becomes like a picture for you to aspire to. That, hey, this Christianity that I'm in, this is what I, I'm supposed to be. Amen. So go back to verse 4. So now, from now on, don't focus on anything in the negative as falling away, backsliding, Think about the positive thing that they are supposed to have. Okay? So he said that they were once what? 
enlightened. To look at the list, a Christian has been enlightened. You have come out of darkness into what? Light. Enlightened means that there's a light that is shining in you and upon you and in your path. Okay? You are enlightened. Number two, a Christian has tasted what? The heavenly gift. You have tasted the heavenly gift. People are trying to taste all kinds of things. But when you are a Christian, the Bible is saying that you have tasted a heavenly gift. I think it's Philippians chapter 2 verse 18. That says that our citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Do you know that certain meats you can only taste in certain parts of the world? Yeah. I don't know whether crabs are here. I mean, like crabs here, are, are they not imported from somewhere? Are they native to North America? I'm not too sure. Do you know that certain things, there are certain things that is only when you go to some place that is available. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I mean, except where there are Ghanaians. Because where there are Ghanaians, they will bring it from wherever it, it is. <laughs> Amen. Even, even what you call it, uh, bush meat, you'll find it here. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. But normally, there's certain things you're not supposed to find in certain places. Okay? So it says that there's the heavenly gift that we are supposed to taste. That as a Christian, these are your entitlements. Hallelujah. Amen. And then they have become what? Partakers of the Holy Spirit. You have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. These are they are wild, wild, wild things that a Christian is supposed to be. It's, it's like something to aspire to. And, and, and you, you know how many know that you can test something but you may not really be full of it. When you test it, it's like an invitation. So a testing of the heavenly gift means, okay, now you have tested it, now you can have more. Okay? We have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. To be a partaker of something means that now you are taking part, you are sharing Okay, and you can want anything you are sharing. Holy Spirit is God who has no beginning and no end, has no limit. So you can have more of that. Hallelujah. These are all things that are available to us. Okay, next one we have tested the good word of God. When you become a Christian, you are what you have tested the good word of God. But the point I want to make is that you have what you have tested. What is it you have tested the good word of God and the powers of the age to come? Is that it's like you have to permit. You have to permit. Those of you who used to do permutation. So you have tested the good word of God and you have tested the powers of the age to come. What does that exactly mean? It means exactly what it says that there is the powers that are going to be released in the age to come. What powers? The powers that stop sicknesses. The power that stop crying, the power that stop sorrow, the power that stop what tears, the power that wipes away tears. That powers we're reading about the age to come is the age in Revelation 21 that we read about. It is in the future, but now as a believer, you have a chance to test it now. You are able to test of the powers of the age to come through your participation in the Holy Spirit, through your what testing of the word of the Lord. And this is the invitation for us that look, the powers of the age to come, you and I. Can enter into it now. And by so doing, the effects of the curse that are listed, that are reversed in Revelation 21, let's all aspire that now as believers, where there is sadness, where there is sorrow, by you partaking of the powers of the age to come, you can bring joy. Amen. Hallelujah. Where somebody is supposed to die, you can stand and say, I refuse to let you go. Look, Papa Hagen, he's um. I forget what is his sister-in-law was a relative died and he pleaded with God and he, in, as he was praying he saw a vision and in the vision the person who had died had appeared in heaven and was standing before Christ but the person's back was facing him so he didn't see the person's face but he could see the face of Jesus and he heard Jesus tell the person that look I'm sorry I can't let you stay here because uh, Papa Hagen is insisting that I should let you go. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? So this is somebody who has graduated in the ability to operate in the powers of the age to come. So that, he said, Jesus is saying that, look, you say you love heaven. It seems like a nice place. But I cannot let you because somebody is praying and insisting that, and so because of that, I will let you go. So what I'm saying is that death, crying, all the things that we read about, which are all effects of the curse. When Christ came, Christ, keep in mind that one of the blessings of, one of the blessings of Revelation 21 is that God has become what? 
um, he, the, the dwelling place of God is with man. Is that not so? He has tabernacle with man. One day, God will move his headquarters, okay, to come and live with us on earth. But until then, today we have Christ. Because the Bible says what? And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So that the rest of the world have to wait till the final analysis when that will happen. But to the believer, when Christ lives in you, that Christ is God on the earth and God in the flesh. And now you bring God on the scene. When you can place your faith that Christ that we read about is not just a, a, a story. It's a person and he's alive. And that Christ, he told, he told Nathaniel, he said, Nathaniel, look, you, you will see, your eyes will be opened. You will see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is our invitation, brethren. God is calling us to begin to desire and long and operate in the powers of the age to come. That we are no more limited by what the rest of the world is limited by. The power is going to come in the future, but through Christ, we can taste it now. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Stand up to your feet. Commit, commit yourself to the Lord and pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for the Father. Our faith is in Christ and that, and that he is our strength and that as we place our faith in him, my God, our time zone is changed. We enter into the heavenly time zone. Thank you, Jesus. We bring before you our hearts and our offerings. May you bless and sanctify it in the name of Jesus. Amen.